Welcome to Bench Talk, the week in science. My name's Dave Robinson. And I'm Ashley Best. You're listening to WFMP Louisville, 106.5 FM. This show is about bringing science to the people. We'll be bringing you weekly updates on new research that's important to all of us and celebrating evidence-based policy. We've scoured the library stacks for interesting articles, climbed the hill to stay informed on science policy, and performed some experiments of our own. We're here as a conduit of all things science, so let's get started. Hey, did I see you there? Were you at the March for Science in April of 2017, or maybe I saw you at the March for Science in April of 2018? Well, this week's episode is devoted to the March for Science that was held in Louisville back on April 23, 2017. This was an amazing street action involving what seemed like thousands of people turning out at Louisville Metro City Hall to show their support for science, for scientists, for science funding, and for academic freedom. The Louisville rally was co-sponsored by the People's Climate March, and that made the event even more powerful. Perhaps you were even at that march. Now, there were some 450 different March for Science rallies held throughout the world, actually, during that period. So it seemed like science was really on people's radar like never before. It's estimated that one million people throughout the world turned out to show their support for science in April of 2017. I'm proud to say that the primary organizer of the Louisville March for Science is a co-founder of this very radio show. Ashley Best. She and Amanda Fuller and Dr. Cindy Corbett and Ben Evans and others, they did a great job of coordinating this rally. The rally first met on the steps of City Hall in downtown Louisville. We listened to some great speakers and musical acts, and then we marched down to Main Street and then over to the entrance of the Science Museum and then all the way back to City Hall. It was a great event. It was really exciting. And it was very inspiring, and I can say that the March for Science actually helped inspire us to establish this radio show, Bench Talk the Week in Science. Then there was a second March for Science held in Louisville in April of last year, 2018, as well as in other parts of the country. Only about half as many locations, only a couple hundred locations that second year, but that's still pretty impressive. The second rally was smaller here in Louisville but still featured some very good speakers and musicians and included another member of our Bench Talk team here on the radio, Dr. Trent Garrison. Well, if you attended either of these rallies, you might be wondering now, whatever happened to the March for Science? Are they going to hold rallies again this April? And if not, what are they doing now? How can we, the public, show our support for science and scientists? Well, to begin to answer these questions, we would like to rebroadcast an interview with Dr. Cynthia Corbett, who's a neurobiologist working in the Department of Biology at the University of Louisville, and she's a co-organizer of the Louisville March for Science. Dr. Corbett attended the National March for Science Summit held in Chicago in July of 2018, and after that meeting, she came back to Louisville and did a radio interview about the status of the March for Science. This interview was originally broadcast on July 31st, 2018, with Mr. Mark Hebert on a radio show called UofL Today with Mark Hebert, which is regularly broadcast on the Louisville station 93.9 The Ville. 
both Dr. Corbett and Mr. Hebert have kindly given us permission to rebroadcast this interview. It's about nine and a half minutes. Then after the interview, I'd like to update you on what the March for Science folks have been doing since that interview. But first, here is Dr. Cynthia Corbett and Mr. Mark Hebert. So have you heard of the March for Science? Well, there is such a thing put together uh, who, who believe in this era of skepticism that there should be more promotion of scientific discovery and work to elect candidates who believe in science and more opportunities to get kids more active in the STEM field. Cynthia Corbett is an associate professor of biology at UofL, and she's here to talk about the local efforts to promote science. Cynthia, good to see you. How are you? Good. Thank you. All right. What is the March for Science? What is that? Well, the March for Science is an international organization now that came about somewhat spontaneously um, after the 2016 election and people deciding that they wanted to promote evidence-based policymaking, they wanted to promote science outreach, they wanted legislators who at least took science into consideration when making policy, and they put together a huge march in D.C., and lots of satellite cities put on their own marches, and Louisville was one of those back in 2017. The organization is now a 501c3 and has transitioned from marching to providing resources for local satellite organizations like the one here to promote science. Promote science, yeah. 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 Um, to contact legislators, to do outreach in schools and in the community, and basically have a scientifically literate society. So is this a, uh, an organization that has a little bit of politics involved and a little bit of um, outreach involved? Yes. So what they say is that science has necessarily become political because it's involved in policy making and policy makers need to include science when they make policy, but they are not partisan. And I think that's an important point to make. Gotcha. Well, you're a biology professor at the University of Louisville. Um, is there a lot of skepticism about science out there? Do you view it that way? Um, in my little bubble, I, you know, at the university, people are pretty pro-science, but yeah. um, you get out onto Facebook and blogs and, and so forth, and you see some real skepticism on issues that are pretty settled mm -hmm. in the scientific community. And some of that is a matter of, you know, education and making sure that people know how to find good evidence there's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of bad evidence. We're talking with Cynthia Corbett, who's an associate professor of biology at UofL, and we're talking about the March for Science. Um, so what is going on in the Louisville area? What are some of the things that your group of scientists are trying to promote in Louisville? One thing I'm really excited about that's coming up soon on August 4th is it's not something that the March for Science put together, but it's something we support. Mm -hmm is the Family Fun Math Explosion that has been put on by the West Louisville Math and Science Project, headed by Ebony Cochran, who was one of our speakers at the March for Science in Louisville um, in 2018, this year. That's going to be on August 4th at the Southwick Community Center. And the point of that is to have kids come in right before school starts, play a bunch of math games that are fun and that help improve their math readiness before school starts. Their families come with them. And so families who maybe think they're not good at math or don't know how to help their kids, they learn how to play these games and help their kids with math through the school year. Mm -hmm. And that's on August 4th at the Science Center. And it's not at the Science Center. It's, it's the at Science the Center, Southwick, Community Center oh, Southwick Community Center on yeah. uh, Southern Avenue. Okay. And anyone who wanted to volunteer for that, they're still looking for a few volunteers to help with the math games. 
or to register if you know you want your kids to go. Um, it's kind of a long email, but it's wlmathandscience at gmail.com. Okay. Well, maybe you can get all the uh, math and biology and engineering professors at the University of Louisville to sign up to be volunteers. See, well, you know, I've been I've not, knocking out, on doors over there on the <laughs> Belknap campus. I sent out a few requests, um, <laughs> and I put something on the March for Science Louisville Facebook page. We have one where you can also get other information about what's going on in outreach and policy and politics and all of the things that March for Science is involved in. And, and well, there's, there's another thing, too, that I was going to mention while you were here was that all these programs that the University of Louisville does out in the community, uh, trying to get folks more in tune with what's going on scientifically. We have Beer with a Scientist mm-hmm. with, at Against the Grain Brewery, and there's the Astronomy one, what's it called? Astronomy on Tap, I think, at Monarch Brewery, and there's mm-hmm. some others that UofL has, has promoted. Is that part of what you and your group are trying to get out there uh, more and more in front of the public to talk about these scientific discoveries? Definitely. One thing I see the March for Science Louisville Satellite doing, I mean, we have no money, right? (laughs) We're all volunteers. And so what I see us doing is amplifying the message of other organizations Um, helping to get volunteers, helping to get people to go to these types of events. And so, yeah, so we post things like, you know, underground science would be another one. There's uh, a high school promoted seminar at that was at Mellow a Mushroom. Seminar? A, seminar, yeah, at Mellow Mushroom. Uh, the Kentucky Academy of Sciences has been promoting a lot of these things, and then the Kentucky Science Center mm-hmm. puts on all kinds of programs. And most of these are free the, to the public. They, you just show up, and I, I know right, the, the beer with the scientists. Yeah. You, I mean, you, well, they you walk like into Against the Grain Brewery, and you can or cannot buy yeah. have a beer while you're listening to some scientists from U of L talk about something interesting. Exactly. All right. So that's what the purpose of these programs. Are. For. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go. Again, we're talking with Cynthia Corbett, who's an associate professor of biology at UofL. We're talking about the March for Science and the group here in Louisville that she's working with uh, to try and promote science and also working on politics and how that affects policy regarding science in the United States. So getting to that question, there, as I understand it, are questionnaires out to politicians and folks running for office in the midterm elections, correct? And yes. what are you asking these candidates? Well, this is not my initiative, but mm-hmm. sciencedebate.org um, has put out questions to presidential candidates for the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. And every year, the, the nominees of the major parties have answered these questions, including last, you know, last time in 2016. For the first time, they're putting these questions out in the midterms. They're focused more on the United States candidates, but anyone can pose these same questions to any local, state, regional candidate. And they are really open-ended questions. You know, what should government's role be in funding science? How important is innovation? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things that are, you know, pretty open-ended and people can add their own politics to their answers, but it might help people decide who they want to vote for. And possibly more important than that, help candidates think about these questions so that if they do win, they've already thought through how they want to approach Mm-hmm. including science and information in their policy making. Well, I know the one field that everybody talks about um, is climate change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a small number of folks, I think, uh, I hope, that, that either are very skeptical that climate change is happening or don't believe that man is, that it's just cyclical, that man is mm-hmm. not, doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, so are those the types of questions you're asking some of these politicians as well? Sure, that would be in the list. So, you know, the range of topics include climate change, science education, STEM education, health of the oceans, clean air and water, 
you know, uh, biomedical ethics, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things are on the list. Do you find um, in your field, when I assume you've sought some grants for to do some research, those yes. kinds of things, do you find that folks outside the university and outside government support tax dollars being spent on scientific discovery and scientific innovation? I think they do. And I think, um, you know, clean air and water is a pretty easy sell. Biomedical advancement, you know, curing diseases is a pretty easy sell. I think it is possible, though, to twist what funding has been given to. I can remember way back when Ross Perot was, you know, was running for president (laughs) and making jokes about, you know, government money going to to study yeah. cow farts. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's was a real twist mm-hmm. on what that science actually was about. So that's easy to do. And you just have to be able to go to the source and see what is actually being funded and know that it is a very rigorous process to get funding. We right. don't just get money because we say we'd like to do something silly. <laughs> the funding rate is only about 5% in mm. many cases. And many more projects than that are worthy. Right. <laughs> so, uh, final word: uh, If folks out there that are listening want to help you with your uh, efforts to promote science in the Louisville area and to kids in in the Louisville area, how do they track you down? Well, uh, one way is to go to the Facebook page for the March for Science Louisville. They can also go to the national MarchForScience.com where they can also link to satellite groups maybe somewhat outside of this area and also look at the the voting pledges and vote for science efforts that are there. Pay attention. Yes. Pay attention to the upcoming elections, right? Absolutely. Right. Cynthia Corbett, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. That was Dr. Cynthia Corbett, neurobiologist and science activist, being interviewed last July by Mark Hebert on his radio show called U of L today is broadcast on The Ville 93.9. Now, Dr. Corbett mentions the family fun math explosion that's been held in West Louisville for the past few years. I contacted the organizers of this event and they tell me that the event will be taking place again here in Louisville, probably in July of 2019, not August. They do have a Facebook page called West Louisville Math and Science Project, if you are curious to learn more about that. Then the Beer with the Science event mentioned in the interview, that's still going on in Louisville. If you're curious about that, just search for Louisville Underground Science in Facebook. And the astronomy lectures at Monic are still going on. They meet once a month on Wednesdays. It's called Astronomy on Tap. What about the national organization, March for Science? What are they doing now? Well, it was back in January of 2017, which is the time of Donald Trump's presidential inauguration. The National March for Science was founded back then. It was a small, ad hoc, all-volunteer group of people, which now has grown into what they claim is, quote, the largest ever grassroots network of science advocates in the world, unquote. They've now got 10 paid staff people, and they work in all different places around the world. The March for Science mission statement reads, The March for Science champions robustly funded and publicly communicated science as a pillar of human freedom and prosperity. We unite as a diverse, nonpartisan group to call for science that upholds the common good and for political leaders and policymakers 
to enact evidence-based policies in the public interest, unquote. So that's what the March of Science is all about. I can tell you that March for Science is getting away from focusing just on street action, like in the last two years. They don't appear to be planning any more nationwide March for Science demonstrations. But as Dr. Corbett mentioned in her interview, one of the thrusts for March for Science now is at the ballot box voting. March for Science is backing the hashtag Vote for Science movement, for instance. Vote for Science is trying to bridge the gap between science advocacy and civic engagement by both holding political leaders responsible for supporting good science policy and by also encouraging everyday citizens to actually vote for political candidates who support good science policy. So now you might be wondering, well, what is good science policy anyway if I'm supposed to vote for it? Well, I have to admit, they don't actually spell it out on the March for Science webpage. But I can refer you to an older episode of Bench Talk. It was our October 1st, 2018 show, where we presented a list of questions to ask candidates who were running for national or statewide offices. These questions were recommended by ScienceDebate.org. This organization, ScienceDebate.org, was founded during the election of 2008, and March for Science is now collaborating with ScienceDebate.org. Here are the 10 questions that they recommend we use to evaluate candidates for political office. What role, if any, should government play in stimulating innovative science and technology? What are your views on climate change? What will you do to protect America from cyber attacks? What mental health policies would you support? How can we ensure that students receive adequate STEM education? What should government do to ensure access to clean water? How would you manage American agriculture? What should America's goal be for space exploration and Earth observation? What will you do to improve ocean health? And then finally, how will you foster a culture that respects scientific evidence and protects scientists? So those are the kind of questions ScienceDebate.org and March for Science says we should be asking our candidates. If you want to hear more details about these questions, look back on our October 1st, 2018 podcast. It's on our Bench Talk the Week in Science page, which is on the ForwardRadio.org website. There was a slightly longer list of questions about science that was asked of each of the candidates for president in the 2016 election. And for fun, I was curious about what Donald Trump's answers to those questions were. Would you like to hear how Donald Trump answered the ScienceDebate.org questions back in October of 2016, which was just one month before the election? I won't go through all of them, but let's see here. Donald Trump said that he wanted to stop the inflow of opioids into America. He said he wanted to focus on disease and clean water, not climate change, which he put in quotes. Trump said that the lack of mental health care is our greatest tragedy today. And he said that international students who come to America to study math and science could stay here on H-1B visas, but only if jobs can't be filled otherwise. Donald Trump claimed that all of humankind would benefit from reaching into the stars, his quote, which that sounds kind of dangerous. Trump also said that the government should not spy on its citizens and that environmental regulation shouldn't reward, quote, special interests. 
I'll leave it up to you to judge how President Trump's actions coincide with the answers he gave back before the election. Well, how about get out the vote effort? How did the March for Science role in getting out the vote go in 2018? They actually point to the 2018 election as a point of success. It turns out that more than 49% of eligible voters actually voted in the 2018 midterms. Now, 49% doesn't really sound very good, except that I can tell you that it's the highest turnout for 102 years. It was the 1914 midterm that had a higher turnout. That was 50% that at that time. But from 1914 to 2018, turnout was much less than that in the midterm elections. For the past 30 years, midterm election turnouts has been in the low 40s. And so 49% turnout last year is, is actually a big jump. Ten new science-credentialed candidates were actually elected at the federal level in 2018. There's one new senator in Congress now, a computer programmer from the state of Nevada. There's nine new science-credentialed representatives in the House at the federal level. There's four engineers, two physicians, one ocean scientist, one dentist, and one registered nurse and not even counted among this group of science-oriented congresspeople is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, who just started her first term in the House of Representatives. AOC appears to be the main headliner for progressives right now. I wanted to tell you that she, too, has some science background. When she was in high school, her science fair project went all the way to the National Intel Competition, where she came in second in microbiology. The Intel Science Fair is like the pinnacle of accomplishment for a high school student. She majored in international relations, but also economics at Boston University. And economics is a social science, you know. And for some reason, MIT named an asteroid after AOC back in the year 2000. It's an interesting story. I'd like to know about that one. Anyway, there are also 14 incumbent members of Congress who have science backgrounds who are up for re-election in 2018, and they did all get re-elected. So the March for Science group seems to be taking some credit for these various victories, and I guess I can't deny them that. It's hard to prove what factors are involved in winning elections and getting out the vote, etc., Another topic that the March for Science organization works on is the federal budget for scientific research. The budget that the Trump administration put out for the 2018 fiscal year contains significant cuts in the budget for research agencies like the National Institutes of Health. Trump wanted a 22% cut there. The USDA, 11% cut. The National Science Foundation, a 13% cut. The NASA program for monitoring carbon dioxide levels cut. On the other hand, the White House wanted to increase funding for other NASA agencies by 3%, as well as the good old Department of Defense. They wanted a 6% increase in their research budget. Well, it took an extra six months, but Congress eventually passed a budget, which Trump did sign, that actually ended up increasing the NIH funding by 8% rather than cutting it like the Donald wanted to. The National Science Foundation ended up with almost 4% more money. Funding for other science agencies were also restored or improved. And of course, we'll never know exactly what the role of the March for Science organization was in this nice outcome. 
but they are claiming to be partly responsible for it. March for Science is also claiming that they helped stymie the Republican effort in 2017 to start taxing graduate students more. Under the old system, when a graduate student is paid by a university to do research or to teach, that salary is taxed like income, but graduate students receiving an assistantship also usually receive a waiver on paying tuition at their school. This is a way that the university uses to attract the best talent to their campus. Well, the Republicans wanted to start considering that tuition waiver as income, even though the student never actually sees the money. Like, I had an assistantship when I was working on my doctorate at the University of Minnesota, and while the paycheck I received was enough to pay for housing and food, etc., if I had to pay tax on the tuition benefit that I also received, that would have added thousands of dollars to my tax bill. Well, graduate students protested this change. Hundreds of grad students walked out at some 63 different research universities in 33 different states. At Duke University, students marched out chanting, No tax cuts for corporations, money for jobs and education. Due to these protests and the lobbying of the universities themselves, as well as March for Science, Congress did not pass this tax change, fortunately. Because, I don't know if you realize this, but it's the grad students who actually do the bulk of the research that's going on at our nation's universities. It would have hurt our economy to tax them for something that they don't even see. Another area that March for Science is active is in K-12 education. There are a number of states that are waffling on the question of teaching evolution and teaching climate change in their schools. Some examples of states that are experiencing internal political pressure to prevent the teaching of evolution and climate change in school include New Mexico, Texas, and Florida. Now, there are still 10 states in the country that have not even officially adopted the next generation science standards that do include teaching these two topics. Now, Kentucky is following the next generation science standards, but those states that aren't include Texas, Florida, Alaska, Ohio, both Carolinas. March for Science is working in these states to try to promote good science education standards and prevent their erosion. So, those are the kind of things that the March for Science folks are up to these days. They aren't emphasizing street demonstrations anymore. Instead, they're working in the halls of government at both the federal and state levels to defend research funding. They're helping educate voters about politicians running for office and encouraging us to get out and vote. And they're defending STEM education. Finally, they're encouraging scientists throughout the country to communicate more with the public. You know, get out of the ivory tower every once in a while. Which is exactly what we're trying to do here on Bench Talk, the week in science. Well, don't take my word for it. If you want to learn more about the March for Science organization, you can go to their website. It's www.marchforscience.com. They can tell you about volunteer activities and hook you up with the various satellite organizations that occur in different cities, including Louisville. And I also can tell you that both the National and the Louisville March for Science groups have pages on Facebook, too. March on, science! Well, that's the show this week. Thank you for listening to Bench Talk, the week in science. We think the world is a fascinating place, and science is a good way to explore it. Science truly empowers all of us. 
If you want to learn more about the show, go to our Facebook page. Just search for Bench Talk, two words on Facebook. You can also email us at benchtalkradio at gmail.com. That's one word, benchtalkradio at gmail.com. Now, all of our episodes are podcasted on SoundCloud, so just visit the station's website at www.forwardradio.org and scroll down to the program archives. That's www.forwardradio.org to listen to any of our old episodes. If you live outside of the Louisville broadcast area, you can still listen to us on live stream at that same website, www.forwardradio.org. This show is broadcast on WFMP LP 106.5 FM every Monday at 7.30 p.m. That's Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. every Tuesday, and 7.30 a.m. every Wednesday. Thank you for listening to WFMP LP 106.5 FM, your grassroots, volunteer-run, listener-supported community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky where there is still a little room for evidence-based rational analysis. Thank you.